0: grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I said earlier, we're continuing our summer sermon series that Pastor Tim has developed, The Soulful Songs of Summer. And it's kind of a neat series that allows us to look at the meaning of different songs and these great artists who have written them and how the Word of God combines together with music and with real people and their struggles and their joys of life. And music is important to us. Uh, Just this morning when I came in here, uh, I was preparing for worship, and the worship band was leading and going. I was just like, this is just awesome. This music is just filling me up. The music and the words combined together takes you to a new place. And and we as Christians, uh, God's people, we have always embraced music. And we see it all throughout the entire Bible. In fact, the book of Psalms is basically a hymnal. It's basically a book of songs, a songbook put together. We have all the lyrics. We don't know how the music goes to those songs. We wish we did, but we know that it's not just poetry. We know that they are lyrics that were sung by God's people. And God's people sang those songs. They struggled with real issues, real joys, real celebrations, real frustrations, real people singing and walking and talking together with God, to God, about God. And that's what we're doing in this summer sermon series. We're looking at the combination of music and God's word and our lives as God's people. And so since we're a Lutheran church, I thought that I would, it would be cool to kind of see what Martin Luther actually said about music And uh, he was a musician, he wrote a a lot of hymns and songs, and he said this, he said, I, Dr. Martin Luther, he wrote this down, he said, I truly desire that all Christians would love and regard as worthy the lovely gift of music, which is a precious, worthy, and costly treasure given to mankind by God. The riches of music are so excellent and so precious that words fail me whenever I attempt to discuss and describe them. And then he writes this. He says, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. It controls our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, and our spirits. I mean, As you can tell, uh, that's not the word of God, but Martin Luther loved music. Music is part of our lives as Christians. Every week, we gather together and we sing songs of praise to God, songs of praise about God, songs of praise about our walk with him and our walk together, about uh, God's work in our lives, past, present, and future. And for me personally, at some of the hardest times in my life, the difficult times in my life, God has used his music to speak words And emotions deep into my being, words of promise, words of comfort, and words of encouragement. And at the same time, on the other side, the positive side of it, some of the best times of my life, I also have also been surrounded by music. Probably your life too. When I think about that, I think of my my wedding day. I think of my ordination. I think of the baptisms of my three children. I think of the songs that I sing to and with them, my children, almost every night. Music is a big deal. But another part of music, another part of songwriting, is that it provides an opportunity for vulnerability and for the things that bring weakness and shame and brokenness into our life. It provides an opportunity for those things to sort of be unearthed and to put out into the light so that the healing light of Jesus Christ can come into our lives and not only bring healing, but bring empowerment and encouragement and growth and the ability to move on. That very thing is actually what was happening in that song that Patrick just said, that Pastor Tim selected this Dear Younger Me song. It's by the band called Mercy Me. And if you've ever seen Mercy Me live, I mean, they are a powerful band. They're professional, and they really lead you to the throne of God's grace and mercy. And so the lead singer of the band, his name is Bart Millard, and he wrote the song because he was struggling with what he would say if he could go back in time and tell himself something. And it wasn't just kind of some novel, silly Back to the Future thing, right? He wanted to go back and talk to his younger self. And the song starts off with him wondering about what he would tell his younger self. Would he talk to it? Would he give his younger self a speech? Would he try to help his younger self make different? choices. And he's struggling with what and how he would speak to his younger self. And it made me think about my own life and maybe think about your life. Have you ever, ever wanted to do that? To be able to go back in time and tell your younger self something. What would it be? What would you tell yourself if you could go back in time, whether it was five years ago or 50 years ago or five minutes ago? What would you say? What have you learned now that you wish you could go back and tell yourself then? The more I thought about it, I bet for most of us, we'd want to go back and tell ourselves something that would either alter our behavior or alter our thinking in some sort of way. So if we've made some bad choices in our past, maybe we'd want to go back and warn ourselves, you got to choose a different path. Or maybe something bad happened to us. We were hurt. We were wronged. We were abused. We were born into some situation beyond our control, and we'd want to go back to tell our younger selves an encouraging word to help our younger selves get through the rough times ahead. That's actually what basically is going on in that song, Dear Younger Me. But why don't I let Bart, the guy who wrote the song, tell you that?
1: I came from a broken home, and my dad was incredibly abusive to me, too. He came to know Christ uh, later in life. Through this whole thing, I've said more than once that, man, if, if, if I knew then what I knew now, how would things be different? And so I had this idea of writing a song called Do Younger Me. And I had the idea long before I was actually brave enough to start writing it because I didn't know where I would go. What I talk about it wasn't your fault when your parents split up when you were three, is it you shouldn't have thought you had to try harder and that's why your dad beat you so badly. I just didn't know where to go with the song. It's like how heavy do you go and what? how much are you willing to say? And so what's funny is the song ended up being half the song is me trying to figure out what to say to myself. It's like, you know, do I go here? Do I go there? A dear friend of mine who's a professional athlete about a year ago was on ESPN. and He was talking about how... He fell in love with baseball because he was abused by babysitters and sexually abused or babysitters and stuff as a kid. And he chose baseball and he said, because that's the one place they couldn't get to, was on the baseball field. And it broke my heart. And so I texted him, as soon as I saw I texted him, and I had written this paragraph, because I was going through this this whole processing what I went through as a child. And I texted him, I said, man, and all I wrote was, if I knew then what I know now, condemnation would have no power. My joy and pain would never be my worth. And uh, if I knew then what I know now, it wouldn't be hard to figure out what I would have changed if I could have heard, Dear Younger Me, it's not your fault. You were never meant to carry this beyond the cross. If I knew that what I know now would have not been hard to figure out what I would have changed if I had heard. And I sent it to him, and he wrote back and goes, Man, I'm in tears. It's amazing. This it was a year ago. So when we were writing it and trying to write this stuff, I came across that paragraph as is, and like, this is it. This is like, this is the payoff. So I texted him and said, Hey dude, I'm writing a song about you from a year ago. And he was laughing. That's totally cool. And so I started writing this whole thing about what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And then kind of the peak moment is just to, just to stop and say, it's just not your fault. I'd say greater is probably my favorite song on the album. I think this is the most important song on the album.
0: It's kind of insightful, right, to hear the stories behind these songs that we hear. They're on the radio, we sing them, and to hear what's going on. And I don't know if you could hear, but Bart was talking about uh, the history here with his abusive father and the wrongs that were done to him as a child. How he wished he could go back and tell himself. I don't know if you heard these words, but he said this. He wished he could go back and tell his younger self this. It wasn't your fault when your parents split up when you were three. You shouldn't have thought that you need to try harder because that's why your dad beat you so badly. There's powerful stories and histories behind this song. And he's talking about that baseball player friend of him. I'm pretty sure it's the the pitcher, R.A. Dickey. And his story is similar. How the abuse that he endured growing up, how it haunted him. And if you look at his story, too, and you go research his story, you see that it's only when it came out into the light, the abuse, and the weight and the burden, and the shame he brought, only when it came out into the light of Jesus through his word and through his people, only then the light shined down upon it and did he find freedom. I love that the story behind this song as you have a picture of two very successful men, one an accomplished musician, the other a very successful baseball player, both having endured terrible things that weren't their fault. But they carried that shame and that terror upon themselves, upon their own shoulders, deep within. They were burdened by it for too many years, somehow thinking that it was their fault. And that's where the words of this song are so powerful. Let me, let me read them again. It says, If I knew then what I know now, would not have been hard to figure out what I would have changed if I had heard, dear younger me, it's not your fault You were never meant to carry this beyond the cross, dear younger me. I want to get to that cross part in a second. But at first, I want to go back to the Old Testament, go back to Isaiah the prophet. He talks about actually a similar situation in Israel's collective past. And If if you remember, uh, going back into the Old Testament, if you remember the nation of Israel was actually enslaved by the Egyptians. Once Israel was a powerful nation, a powerful people in Egypt, but generation after generation passed and new pharaohs rose up. And the Egyptians began to enslave the Israelites. They began to abuse the Israelites. They began to murder their children. They forced the Israelites into hard labor. Circumstances beyond their control. It wasn't their fault. But God delivered them. God led them out into the wilderness. He, he spread the waters. You remember the story with Moses. They crossed through the Red Sea. And the Egyptians, those abusive leaders, were following after them. And God closed the waters upon the Egyptians and drowned them and eradicated them. Extinguished them. And so Isaiah the prophet, he's writing to the Israelites and he records this story. And he says in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 15, he says, I am the Lord, your Holy One. Israel's creator, your king. And then Isaiah comes back in verse 16 and says, this is what the Lord says. The Lord who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and now they lay there never to rise again, extinguished and snuffed out like a wick. And then the Lord chimes in and says this in verse 18. Forget. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. On the one hand, when we hear those words, we can think about the things that haunt us from our past. We can think that when God drowns and when he destroys and when he extinguishes the terrible and abusive, enslaving things of our past, we should leave them there. We shouldn't try to go down to the Red Sea and bring it all back up to the surface. God has taken it away forever. God says through Isaiah in verse 19, he says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams and the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water water in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland, to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. You see, when God, through Isaiah the prophet, said, see, I am doing a new thing, ultimately he was pointing forward. He was pointing forward to the fulfillment of Israel. Israel reduced to one man, Jesus Christ. He was saying, you thought what I did in the Exodus, you thought that what I did at the Red Sea, you thought that when I delivered you from slavery in Egypt, you thought that was great? What I'm going to do is going to make the Exodus pale in comparison. And he was pointing forward. He was talking about ultimately Jesus at the cross. And Jesus at the cross, he drowned and he extinguished and he paid for, he destroyed, he took upon himself all the abuse that has been done to us and all the abuse that has been done by us. Jesus took the sin, the shame, the brokenness of the world. And the culmination of that song that Patrick just sang so well a moment ago, says, dear younger me, You were never meant to carry this beyond the cross. Dear younger me, the Apostle Paul writes something similar in Philippians chapter 3. He says this, verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to yet have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that line, forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead. We have an opportunity at this very moment to consider our own lives, and I'd like to ask you, is there something in your past, something in your past that you need to leave at the foot of the cross? Instead, maybe you've picked it up and you've tried to take it upon yourself. You've weighed it deep within your being. You have given it to Jesus, but then you took it back. Is there something that you need to leave at the cross? Maybe something like Bart. Maybe something like R.A. Dickey. Maybe there was an abusive situation in your life, a dysfunctional family system. Maybe someone hurt you emotionally, physically, sexually, verbally, spiritually, whatever. And right now, you have a chance to leave it. At the cross. Or maybe like St. Paul. Maybe you're on the other end of it. St. Paul wrote those words in Philippians. Because he wasn't the abused. He was the abuser. He had persecuted Christians. He basically killed Stephen. One of the early leaders of the church. He imprisoned them. He went to great lengths to find Christians. And put them in prison. and, And to stop the way. And then Jesus met him on that Damascus road. The Dear Younger Me song speaks to our hearts and says this. You were never meant to carry the burden of guilt, the burden of shame, the burden of sin anywhere but to the cross of Jesus. Carry it to the cross and leave it there. That's the only place you need to bring it. Not into your heart, not into your life, not into your sin, not upon your shoulders, not into your future. You leave it at the cross. The words from Isaiah, the words from Paul, God is doing a new thing. Forget what is behind. Remind yourself of who you are now and strain toward what is ahead. And what is ahead? Resurrection, life, eternal life. And I don't know if you heard, but there was a refrain that kept on going throughout that song. Four times they sang it. They sang it four times because we need to hear it over and over and over again every week, every day. You are holy. You are righteous. You are one of the redeemed. Set apart a brand new heart. You are free indeed. You are holy. You are righteous. You are one of the redeemed. Set apart a brand new heart. You are free indeed. You are holy. You are righteous. You are one of the redeemed. Set apart a brand new heart. You are free indeed. You are holy. You are righteous You are one of the redeemed, set apart, a brand new heart. You are free indeed.